Hello, welcome back to Grady Help, a podcast where Gen Z meets a kind of okay boomer. My name is Katie Beth Louie, and I am your Gen Z host for today. And I'm Steve Backus. I'm your kind of okay boomer. And we have um, a very special guest, a miserable millennial. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Tyler Slayton, and I'm really, really excited to be able to be here on the podcast today. Yeah, Tyler is our uh, minister to students here um, at uh, GMV, and it's good to have him with yeah, us. It's good to have you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm yeah. really excited to be here. So we've got G- uh, Gen Z, Millennial, and a Boomer represented here today. So hopefully this will be a good conversation. Or just or yeah, off the wall. Like. Or just off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> just whatever we can come up with. Yeah, one thing we promise to do is be respectful. Even though we may have difference of, differences yes. of opinion, we're still going to respect everybody's opinion and, uh, and uh, let everybody know that Jesus loves you, and we're trying to. So mm-hmm. there we go. <laughs> All right. I think we're going to start. We got a, we got an email. I know. And we have, it's a question. It's a good question. Yeah, very good question. A little spicy, but, yeah. you know. Um, and this <laughs> applies to our particular <laughs> tribe of faith, the United mm-hmm. Methodist Church. Uh, and here is the question. At some point in the future, the United Methodist Church will likely split with some churches remaining under the UMC umbrella and others choosing to leave. In both of your opinions, will Gen Y and Gen Z be more apt to find a church home in a church that remains a UMC or one that decides to leave, or will it make a difference? Hmm. Okay, um, Gen Y is millennials, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Y comes before Z, right? That's true. Oh. <laughs> Y'all, there's a reason I went to music school. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know where you guys stand on it. Yeah. I can I can certainly speak into mm-hmm. that a lot. But yeah, I just letting y'all know we do not speak for everybody in our generation. Just no. a disclaimer. Mm-hmm, of course, we do not speak for everybody with our life experiences. Right. <laughs> if you would like to respond, email us at grittyhope at gmail dot com. That is spelled G R I T T Y H O P E at gmail.com. Thank you, Katie Beth, for reminding everyone yeah, of our course. email address. Okay. You guys want to speak into this first? Uh, sure. I mean, I guess okay. I can. Let's I just can... go ZY Boomer. We'll go back. <laughs> yeah. ZY Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just go backwards in the alphabet. Sure. Why not? ZY Boomer. <laughs> Hold on. I need a second. <laughs> Sorry, we have a laughter breakdown. Oh. <laughs> I've been tired for we're the past. Not, we're not, I'm not going to cut this out, by the okay. way. That's good. I yeah, like I've, it. Yeah. I've been we tired. I've been very tired for the past <laughs> two days. Yeah. So, like, just any, like, little thing is just going to set gonna, me It's going to make you giggle. That's good, though. So so just be ready for it, folks. That's going to oh, yeah. keep happening oh, all yeah. day. Okay. Yeah. But I have my <laughs> green tea with me, so we're all good. There you go. Uh, okay. So, honestly, mm-hmm. the best answer I can give is it really depends on the person. Mm-hmm. And what they believe. Well, I, I, I'm on board with you with that mm-hmm. opinion, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but also, Gen Z is kind is the generation that is tired of discrimination. They are tired of right. seeing mm-hmm. broken systems exactly. and seeing people being left out of things. Mm-hmm. And what. I guess from a Gen Z's perspective, again, I'm an old Gen Zer, mm-hmm. 
very old. I was there when the ancient magics were written for Gen Z. Um, <laughs> we've we see traditional churches use like stuff like what the UMC is going through. So for those of you who don't know, the UMC is having a breakdown, come mm-hmm. apart, mm-hmm. big split over allowing um, members of the LGBTQ plus community being ordained. As or in any leadership position. Yeah, or really. any leadership yeah. position in the church. Yeah. So Gen Z has noticed that a lot of very traditional conservative church populations are using where they stand on the issue as a way to tell LGBTQ plus people that they aren't welcome in church. Mm-hmm. At it, all. Yeah. Well, and I think that is being communicated by some. Um, it's not being communicated by all of us. Right. Absolutely. But that is certainly their perception. Um, and even though sexuality is the hot-button topic, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> as, as a boomer and being in ministry for 30 years, uh, sexuality has, is, has always been almost mm-hmm. its own religion. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. I mean, seriously. <laughs> you know, it's like the hedonists of ancient Greek. <laughs> you know, hedonism became mm-hmm. almost a, a religion. You know, so you know, and there's the Christian, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, uh, and then what's going on in the culture mm-hmm. at any particular time in history. All of those things play into this. It's not even though, even though uh, sexuality is the hot button topic over the divide in the denomination, it goes deeper than that. It's a theological and biblical interpretation divide absolutely at, at a deeper level it's what you know how we interpret the scriptures what the scriptures say about appropriate uh, use of sexuality mm-hmm. you know so it's not just sexuality but that's the one that is the hot topic that's the one that pushes everybody's buttons yeah. mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's the one that, the one that causes publicity. believers often to sound like hypocrites mm-hmm. you know by pointing their fingers at someone else without looking at the, as Jesus said, the saw log in their own eye. That's right. You can't point point out somebody else's splinter unless you pull the log out of your own eye. Jesus said in mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter seven. So, um, right. I guess you know. I guess my generation is just tired of seeing hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, again, I'm not speaking for all, but just from what I've seen and what I've talked about with other people, mm-hmm. they see people being allowed into leadership that have done. That have, yeah. that, have, that have had, quote, sexual sins. Absolutely. Just because it's not uh, homosexuality or something other than a heterosexual sin. Mm. I oh mean, my gosh. Do, we, do, do we really want to talk about what Jesus said about divorce and remarriage? <laughs> I don't think we really want to talk about that, but we do want to talk about the other sexual mm. sins. So it gives know? off this double standard? Yes, it does. And so I guess that's why my generation is like, mm. whoa. UMC, what mm-hmm. I guess they don't understand why kind of like the older people in church are just saying, well, homosexuality is bad, but yet they've gone and like have <laughs> yeah. had affairs. Oh, yes, and absolutely. 
and just like have and or have, been married a half dozen times, which right. is mm-hmm. the legal limit in the state of Alabama. Oh, didn't really? know there was yes. one. Yes. There's a legal limit. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. Well, now unless Hold up. I'm, we got to talk about that. I'm behind the curve on this. But <laughs> you, what? You used to be able to get married, and I don't know if it's still this way, but the law was only six times in only the state of Alabama. Only six times, and then you'd yeah. have to move somewhere else. Yeah. Well, there you, you Why do you get married in another state or something? There you uh, go. Interesting. But marriage now <laughs> in the state of Alabama is doesn't have to be solemnized. You don't yes. have to have a minister. You don't have to have a probate judge. All you have to do is go down to the courthouse and sign an affidavit that you're married and get it notarized. That's it. Uh, that that's that's the state of marriage. It's in, a very spiritual in the, ceremony in the state of Alabama. <laughs> so anyway, uh, hold. I'm still on the half a dozen times. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wait. yeah. Used to, wow. used to, they wouldn't issue a marriage license if you'd been married six times. You couldn't get that seventh marriage license. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. and I don't know how any idea. I'd like to go back and research the laws and the reasoning behind that. Yeah, but you know, there's a lot of antiquated laws in Montgomery, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, y'all. If you if there was a video feed right now, yeah. like I am Kate, going Katie, on a journey. Katie Beth is yes. somewhere else. It's, fa- it, it's face palm time right now. <laughs> no, I'm going on a face journey. If you've ever seen the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I'm on a face journey yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Oh boy. Now, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> You okay? Yes. Okay, we'll get back I'm on fine. top. I'm fine. Okay, um, we're good. If you want to look at the reality of the situation in the UMC as it stands right mm-hmm. now, the United Methodist Church formed in 1968 is the merger between two other denominations. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, the United Evangelical Church of the Brethren really just got absorbed by the United Meth- by the Methodists, and it formed the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what? How long was that? It was fifty what? Fifty two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Is my is yeah. my math good? <laughs> uh, don't ask me. Uh, through that period of time, especially during the civil rights battles of the nineteen fifties and sixties, mm-hmm. the sixties especially for us, and early seventies, we lost members, mm-hmm. and we lost members for the right reason. We were standing with our African American brothers and sisters during the civil rights battle. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had older United Methodist ministers tell me they used to have crosses burned in their yard by the wow. KKK. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Yeah. You know, if you lose members for the right reason, you know, uh, and we have gradually gotten older. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think until this year, the average age of the United Methodist has always been older older than me. Oh, yikes. You know? So currently, in the United Methodist Church, less than 10% of the denomination is made up of anybody under 29. Yeah. So, so if you're talking about whether uh, Gen Z is going to be with us, which group they're going to be with after the split, well, they're not with us now. No. You know, something like 9%. 35% of the denomination, only 35% is 39 years old and below. Mm-hmm. Sorry, 49, 49 years old and below, and 65% is 50 years old and older. Yeah. That's wild. And now, that's the way we're made up now. Um, and so I think maybe you have to kind of look at the history of the denomination to figure out why we got to where we're at. Officially, our theology is Wesleyan theology. It's the mm-hmm. theology that we inherited from John Wesley. John Wesley inherited his theology from the Church of England. The Church of England was formed by the English Reformation, not the 
Reformation that took place in the rest of Europe <laughs> that we call that we call the Reformed movement, where we get Presbyterians and Lutherans. Right. So the English Reformation took a different route through the Church of England. John Wesley was a priest in the Church of England until his death. He started a new movement called Methodism that eventually became its own church. Um, <clears throat> so if you look, if you look at the officially, so officially our theology is, met, is, is uh, Methodism, Wesleyan Methodism. If you come up for ordination in the United Methodist Church, you have to know your Wesleyan theology. You know, you write papers on it. You're grilled <laughs> by the Board of Ordained Ministry. You have to get a master's, master of divinity degree to be eligible for ordination. And only at certain uh, seminaries will it apply. There are, there are approved <clears throat> seminaries that you have to go to that has mm-hmm. a good share of Methodist studies there. Mm-hmm. But here's the reality of the situation. There are ministers and members who not only are they not Wesleyan, they're, many of them are Unitarian Universalists. They think everybody's making the trip to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them are ecumenical to the point that they don't uh, put Jesus over Muhammad or Buddha or anybody yes. else. So we're this pluralistic, very pluralistic theological thought mm-hmm. in United Methodism. And I think maybe, and I'd, I'd like to get both of your input on this, I believe that people of faith are gathered around and separated by their most dearly held beliefs. Yeah, right. I agree with that. That's completely. what binds us, and that's what separates us. Mm-hmm. So, my what I'm what I'm questioning in my mind when I look at the history of all this is: Did we have enough in common in 1968 to hold us together for the long term? I'm not yeah. sure that we did, because we were so theologically pluralistic. Yeah, you know. I think we are a failed experiment in pluralism, in theological pluralism. Now, again, this is totally my opinion. Um, and if you're out there and you're an ordained United Methodist minister, would love to get an email from you. Love to get your <laughs> input on this because I'd love to hear some different perspectives on this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so if we separate or when we separate, it looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. In 2021, looks like it's going to. If we're able to go to general conference and COVID is gone. Mm-hmm. It looks like we will divide, and there'll be some. The UMC that is left, the UMC in America, probably will recognize uh, LGBTQ plus persons mm-hmm. as eligible for ordination. Mm-hmm. And the new Methodist movement that springs out of the separation will inherit traditional Christianity and go with a, a conservative new movement. Mm-hmm. So. Where are the 9%, right, 9% of the young people? Uh, Which which direction are they going to go? I think it depends on, like you said, where they stand individually Mm -hmm. because I think people are not necessarily divided over the issue of human sexuality by age. I don't think age has that much to do with it. People, because I know a lot of young people that are more conservative than I am, and I'm like, hey, you're standing way too far to the right of Jesus. But anyway. Oh, right. Like, I look at them, I just go, ooh, and you, ooh. And some people, I think, are standing way too far to the left of Jesus. Absolutely. I'm I'm sorry. I'm dominating the conversation. (laughs) But but anyway, that's that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, you two have more the... the, 
theological. Theological. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Y'all more theological training than I do. So I'm just sitting here going, okay, y'all are saying stuff that I kind of understand, but not yeah. really. Okay. Again, mm-hmm. I went to music school, not <laughs> yeah. preacher school. Yeah. Well, uh, well, well, I come at it from a place of, I watched uh, the emergency session of uh, General Conference that um, was had was held in 2019 yeah to discuss this issue and we voted on the plans yeah um and as i was watching it just struck me that this is a group of pastors Mm -hmm. and ministers and folks who have been ordained and who their their similarities are supposed to be so much more than their differences because we are uh a a priesthood in the in the following of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that, that that is meant to be our defining factor that is meant to be our defining trait that's meant to be what we define ourselves by the most the, the thing we have most in common Act, absolutely faith in Christ yes yeah. and that faith in Christ has the capability to take all of our differences if we're willing to set them aside to take mm-hmm. all of our differences and make them less than, less than our similarities that we find in Christ. And as I was watching, it's no surprise to you, that is not what was happening. Yeah. There, It got ugly, and there were arguments yeah. and debates yeah. and yelling, and microphones had to be turned off, cameras had to be moved. I stopped watching. Yeah, yeah I, was, I watched right up to the just, end. Just because it was breaking my heart. Yeah, it know, was terrible. Was and, I couldn't watch. Yeah. Because I just saw, like, that group, that the supposed, like, young people who was in charge of, like, coming up with the plan. And I was like, I know y'all have grandkids. Yeah. Quit calling yeah. yourselves young. You have grandkids. <laughs> 65% of us probably do. Yeah. Right? Absolutely, so, and there there were ministers, and and it's it's represented by lay people too. But most yes. of, most of the lay people that are elected to go to general conference are very familiar with the inner workings of United Methodism, and so that's why they get chosen by their conferences to be delegates. Yes, uh, so it's, it, it is uh, clergy and it is lay people uh, that represent all of United Methodism that go to general conference, and all of them are very familiar with with the issues, mm-hmm. you know. But to see uh, to see that kind of behavior out of oh, people gosh. who are following Jesus, it was very inappropriate. It, it yeah. was very inappropriate. Yeah. Well, I mean, even at, at the very end when they were getting ready to close out and they were in the process of moving into a place of worship, they didn't show it on the camera. But you heard one of the bishops tell somebody, "Get off the stage and put the cross back." There was somebody oh, wow. taking the cross off the stage to carry it out mm-hmm. because they disagreed with with the, the way that everything had gone. So yeah. One time, somebody t- was trying to take them out because they disagreed with the symbol of the cross. Oh wow! You know, so yeah, th- which is the standard of our Christian faith. <laughs> yeah, that's just you know, talking about blood and guts and sacrifice is offensive to some people. It's an ugly thing. Um, yeah, but which the Apostle Paul said, "I preach Christ and Him crucified, lest the offense of the cross cease." Yes, he said, he said I know it's offensive. You know, but, and it should be. But this is the way of salvation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> the reader's question was, which group do you think Gen Z will go with? Mm-hmm. I think some will go with one group and some the other. Absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 the 9 or 10% of them that are left. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Cause uh, it's, it's... And now, which group or which movement will attract young people in the future? 
probably UMC. Is yet to be seen. Well, that is uh, up to, yeah, that, yeah. I think that there's always growing pains when a new movement mm-hmm. begins, mm-hmm. and we're we we're in the in the grounds of it's a sort of a new movement beginning from a very old movement. We're taking mm-hmm. the uh, the intent of John Wesley and sort of trying to reimagine that in this new movement. And so it's a new yeah. movement with old traditions. I think the UMC is going to have a problem attracting people because they're so pluralistic. That's been our problem all along. Yes. So I think unless the, you know, even the post-separation United Methodist Church is going to have to correct that. Mm-hmm. They're going to have um, to correct it because yeah. we're... Se- okay, I'm going to get closer to Mike. We're yeah. seeing <laughs> people who are coming to church on Sunday mm-hmm. saying, yes, God is wonderful. He loves everybody. We love everybody. We pray for the children. But yet, come Monday... <laughs> yeah. Come Monday, they are allowing their politics to mm. get in the way of their religion. Mm-hmm. And how our and how our part of Christianity works, just like how just from what I've seen in the UMC and what I've read and everything, mm-hmm. for us it's supposed to be your religion before your politics. Mm-hmm. And that determines Yeah, your faith. Right. Yeah. Your faith determines like, okay, if I'm reading this correctly, mm-hmm. if I'm reading what Jesus said right Mm -hmm. i should be doing this and i should be advocating for this Mm -hmm. and sometimes that might not look like what your politics say absolutely so for me when i hear people praying for all the children in the world and then i keep seeing children who are being held in inhumane conditions Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm going, where is this disconnect happening, church? Yeah. Like, where is this disconnect <laughs> happening? Because yeah. you're praying for all the children in the world who are going through hard times, but yet when you see these pictures of children being held in cages, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and you're going, well, their parents shouldn't have brought them here. <laughs> what? I just want to know, we can edit this out if... If we need to. No, we're not. I think this is good. It's, it, it bothers yeah. me. We're keeping your giggles in, too. Oh, so. good. <laughs> but it bothers me that they say this when obviously parents, this was probably their last chance at giving their children a better life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if. Well, I think the most important question yeah. is, if, especially if you're talking about uh, illegal uh, people coming into the country illegally from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay, where's the root of that problem? What is going on in Mexico? Yes, right. That's causing people uh, to want to, to do... want to leave. Why? You know, can we direct our attention to helping Mexico become a place where people want to stay and raise their families? You know, uh, I feel like that's, that would, that's the one that always comes. Yeah. That would go comes a lot farther mind. than trying yeah. to build greater divides between our countries, between yeah. our borders. Mm-hmm. It would be a whole. I, I think that it would just benefit so many more people and so many more people could get behind it if we were going to come alongside our brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters in Mexico and as you said make their home a place that they would want to stay help them to make their home a place that they would want to Mm -hmm. stay I mean nobody's trying to come down here from Canada yeah (laughs) I mean it's kind of the opposite yeah yeah there's a lot of us going to Canada right I mean look at that healthcare system like I'm just saying Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it kind of bothers me when I see people praying for the children of the world 
and then and then yeah no. clearly ignoring yeah clearly the children ignoring, of the world yeah yeah <laughs> or they're saying we we're like we want everybody to live in peace and harmony mm-hmm. that's not what i'm seeing on y'all's facebook <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. that's not what Honey. i'm seeing either mm-hmm. you know yeah. when believers get on social media and call somebody a pos oh, and i'm Lord. not going to define what pos means you can google that yeah uh i mean come on you know where's your witness yeah right and that's the kind of hypocrisy yeah. that is driving people away. Yeah. And let's go ahead and make this very, yeah. very clear as well. Uh, I think that Jesus would look at our two current political parties that we cling to so closely and be disgusted by both of oh, them. Yeah. Thank you very much. By both of them. Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yes. <laughs> different kingdom. Different kingdom. And so I, I, I think that we find this on both sides, absolutely on both sides. Uh, and we need to stop defining ourselves by our political party. We need to stop defining ourselves by the president that we want. We need to start defining ourselves by Jesus Christ. Who's the Lord of our lives. That's exactly right. Yes. President is going to be the president for four years. Jesus is king forever. (laughs) Amen. No matter what. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think, here's my take. I think now Church of the Highlands, Elevation Church, Mm. all those movements that are the the biggest new Christian movements. Um, claim to have 50%, that 50% of their uh, large membership uh, is under 40. Mm-hmm. So why, you know, everybody, why is Church of the Highlands attracting 50-something, you know, over 50,000 people? Well, um, they say this is what we believe. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. This is how you can be a part of us. And if you don't like that, that's okay. We're okay with that. Find your place. In other words, they have a mission, they have a vision, and they have a firm foundation of beliefs. And they say, this is who we are, this is what we believe. Mm -hmm. I think people of all ages are attracted to that. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I actually, so Highlands down in Tuscaloosa, Roll Tide, Highlands. (laughs) Yeah, she's got to get that in. (laughs) (laughs) So Highlands... Uh, built a new campus in Tuscaloosa around mm-hmm. my freshman year of college. And they had a big opening night where Pastor Chris was there. And it's like, I forgot which Thursday of the month it is, but like every certain Thursday is their college night. Mm-hmm. And it's called one. A lot of the football players go there. A lot of kind of like the big names in the student politics go to Highlands. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for me, my personal opinion, it's very big. Yes. It is very big. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was at Club Jesus <laughs> other yeah. in church. That's just my opinion. It's, so it might not be your cup of tea. No, it's it, not. It That's was, why not everybody's there. Right. Yes. It was not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. It's the loud, very loud. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not knocking it. They're doing mm-hmm. great work in the community. It was just very, and it's also, like I went to a few sermons Mm-hmm. And it was just very, it was kind of like, I I don't know how to describe it in a nice way <laughs> or just a very, <laughs> I'm trying to be as nice as possible, but it's like, I felt like I was at a presentation for a timeshare. <laughs> That's what, yeah. that, <laughs> that was the vibe I got. Well. <laughs> um, again, that might not be the vibe you get, mm-hmm. but that's the vibe I got. 
It did not pass yeah. the vibe check. Well, for I, me. I, I visited. I visited the main campus once just to see what worship was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the you know, uh, and I looked around and saw a lot of people there my age and older. You mm-hmm. know, probably, yeah, probably half the crowd. Mm-hmm. But of course, half the crowd were young people, which was I was excited to see. Yes, that many young people, right? And I, you know, absolutely, it was exciting. And so, for people my age that go to movements like that, it's not necessarily because we like the music or the message, but we like the effect that it's having on the younger generations. And absolutely. the younger generations are being finding a place to serve and to learn of the faith and and to grow right. in their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily my favorite style of preaching, not necessarily my favorite style of worship, but just to see. People of all generations, mm-hmm. yes, that are they're being spoken to in such a powerful way. Yeah, because you know, like but. it's all because what really attracts people mm-hmm. because there are people who are Catholic, there Pentecostal, Baptist. Oh, it was oh, pretty yeah. much everybody because <laughs> because it was a movement where everyone is welcome. Yeah, everyone mm-hmm. can come. Mm-hmm. And it was just the thought of being that one body of Christ that was very attractive to yes, a lot of yes, people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and so I guess that's why it's so popular. Now, again, every group will have its bad apples. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, that's people. Yeah, that's, that's always. That's just yeah. how people are. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it's a very big movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, it was nice when I went. It mm-hmm. was like it was pretty much they were advertising their grow track, which is their membership track. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much every Sunday they were there. Mm-hmm. It was it's a, grow, a very big piece of who they are. Yeah, grow yeah. track. It is like four weeks. Boom, you're in. Mm-hmm. Quick in out. They're plugging mm-hmm. you into a service. They are plugging you in. I guess to the dream team. They're plugging you in anywhere mm-hmm. they can to make you feel wanted and needed. Yeah. Which I went there and I was like, huh. That's why they're doing so well, because yes. especially from my generation, we like to feel needed. Mm-hmm. We like to mm-hmm. feel that there's a spot for us and a place for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if we feel, I think that's attractive yeah. to all. I, yeah, I was going to say, right. I think that that feel, applies to all of us. If we feel yeah. wanted and valued in a church, mm-hmm. we're going to stay there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially if you feel like it, uh, if there's less hypocrisy there, if you mm-hmm. feel like it, yeah. Yeah, goes with your theology. This, and this is who we are. System. This is what we believe, and this is how you can be a part of it. And when and there's they no, pretty much don't change that. Yes, you know, when there's this, no yeah. bait and switch yeah. to your belief yeah. system, when there's no hidden agenda, mm-hmm. it, that's an extremely attractive thing. And I think one of the things that those movements also do extremely well that we don't always do as well uh, outside of those movements is. Laying out in plain English oh, yeah. who Jesus is and why we follow him. I think sometimes we speak Christianese. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the, uh, I mean, just specifically in the Methodist church, but in a lot of other denominations as well, we speak Christianese and people that were not raised in the church come in and hear these words that we use and they're like, oh, what does that mean? Yeah. What, 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 is the <laughs> yeah. what is the meaning of salvation outside of... The Christian Church. What mm-hmm. is the meaning of Holy Trinity and uh, and mm-hmm. prevenient grace and all of these things mm-hmm. that we take as normal and that we understand as Methodists yeah. 
uh, specifically those of us who are cradle Methodists, because we all went to confirmation very young and learned all of those things. Yeah, so fun fact, I didn't know, like, the term provenient grace until I was in college. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because it just wasn't taught to me. It was just like, God's always reaching out to you. That's Mm -hmm. just how it was explained to me. And I didn't know the term for it until I was... until I was actually searching for churches in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I always do like the really like big stalking thing when I'm when I was looking <laughs> yeah. for churches. I well like, everybody does. I yeah. think it's when great. I, when yeah. I'm looking at their like a belief system. Mm-hmm. That's very important. And if it like didn't line up, because my big thing is provenient grace and open table. That is my big yeah. that's mm-hmm. my big thing. That's a big thing to my heart because I guess that just what makes Methodism so special. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it's like yeah. you are welcome. It does not matter. Where you mm-hmm. come from, you're welcome here. Yeah, and again, I want to say this: uh, the the disagreement and the split of our denomination is not it's not about trying to hate or exclude anybody. It is mm-hmm. about it is about who is qualified for leadership and who is not. Who Absolutely. should be ordained and who mm-hmm. is not. How do we live our biblical witness in a I've had homosexual persons in every every congregation I have ever served, mm-hmm. and I have always told them I love you and I want to be your pastor. Yes, you know, um, so it's it's not, you know, like I, like I said, I think sexuality is such its own its own it's its own, it's, hot, it's, mess. It's own yes. hot mess, you know, and uh, and we said before the podcast started we weren't going to get too deep into that discussion because. <laughs> We want to stay we, as respectful yeah, as we possible. We want to stay as respectful Absolutely. as possible, and I would rather have some uh, other voices at the table besides us. Just us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, again, we like, if we're going to talk about a topic that we're not that familiar with, we're going to try mm-hmm. to bring people in. Absolutely. Who yeah. Are like we want to, mm-hmm. Because we want to make sure, again, that we are as respectful as possible. Yes, absolutely. And bring that representation mm-hmm. that might not be heard in usual conversations about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether, when the denomination splits, whether the UMC that's pro-separation and the new Methodist movement. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how they deal with some issues that are going to be coming their way. Yeah. Now, I think that the new Methodist movement is taking along with them a lot of people that are not Wesleyan and that are probably very Calvinistic <laughs> and very fundamentalist. And I'm interested to see how that's going to turn out. Yeah. You know, are, are the Calvinists you know, like the Presbyterians? Well, I'm talking uh, no more <laughs> severe, more severe than that. You know, yes. more severe. The Presbyterians today are are not, and I don't want to run down the Presbyterians. I, I don't agree with Reformed theology, but <laughs> they still. In a, if you go to a Presbyterian church today, they're going to talk about grace more than they are sovereignty. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, um, but I'm talking about somebody who is. There are there is has been a movement last few years that is extremely focused on the sovereignty of God and predestination, and I could name some names of some popular preachers who'd probably like and make a lot of people who are listening mad <laughs> that are so Calvinistic. It's just ridiculous. They're yeah. so so focused on predestination. You know, it's almost like they're the frozen chosen. You know, <laughs> and uh, so she's sipping on her tea. <laughs> <laughs> I think frozen chosen was what got her. <laughs> So, so it's, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see uh, if the UMC survives post separation, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
if the UMC changes some things, if the New Methodist Movement is going to have, and they and they already have a polity and a doctrine yeah. and a plan, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see if that works. It's going to be interesting to see how people like myself get, or closer to retirement age than we ever were, mm-hmm. what are we going to decide to do, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, ministers are going to have to decide. And in the North Alabama Conference, if, if somebody, uh, using the old terms of liberal conservative, I would say about half of the clergy in the North Alabama Conference would identify as liberal and about half would identify as moderate to conservative. Yes. So the clergy are very divided. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the laity are that divided. Yeah. I don't know. From you know, my from my you know. understanding, I think that the laity, to use that terminology, does skew a bit more conservative. Probably, for, I, but I don't know that. But, for yeah. sure. Could y'all explain what laity means for those who might not have grown yeah. up in church who listen? Oh yeah. no, we're doing Christianese again. Yeah, yeah. I just talked about that. La- la- <laughs> laity are the lay people, the people in the pews, the people who are not ordained. Yes, uh, but just are uh, everyone but yeah. the preacher, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> every day Joe and Jill who wants to come to church and serve Jesus. That's, that's right. That's the laity. Because you two yeah. are like the pastors, and I'm the lay person. I'm the lay representative <laughs> for the podcast. There you go. <laughs> I'm the one yeah. person. <laughs> Parish yeah. relations committee. Yeah. Well, well, really, Tyler fits into both of those categories, yeah. right? A little now, bit, so. a little bit of both. That's right. Yeah. Bridge the gap a little bit, maybe. Yeah, because I was yeah. like, I was like listening and understanding and going, oh, we might need to translate for the people. <laughs> yes, because there are yeah. some people who listen who aren't who don't go to church. Yeah, absolutely. Or didn't yeah. Grow up in church. Yeah, absolutely. And of and course, the United Methodist Church, we have our own. The United Methodists speak also, and we mm-hmm. have acronyms for mm-hmm. everything. So if you hear us use an acronym and you say, "What does that mean?" Just send us an email. We'll try to clarify. Yeah, we yeah. also have right. committees for everything. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful that when God wanted to save the world, he didn't send a committee. But, uh, <laughs> a lot of things get stalled out in committee, but yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was this past Sunday, Steve, that you were telling yeah. uh, Christian jokes by the denomination. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. so funny. And it was uh, how many... How many Methodists does it take to change a light bulb? Well, first you got to form a committee. Yeah. And uh, you have to <laughs> vote on the type of light bulb, vote on the budget. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to vote on what is the nature of the light. That's right. And then the custodian goes and changes the light bulb yeah. anyway. Yeah. That's right. And nobody realizes that you're still there discussing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that is true for. That, that was that was true for all of the denominational jokes. Was the custodian just changes it while we're all while trying every, to figure our stuff out? While everybody's arguing about the light bulb. <laughs> the custodian comes along and changes the light bulb. Yes, that yeah. I think that those went over very well. You want me to go through that again, just so we Please. can? Yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's hear it all. Okay. Those were really good. Here, I like here was the thing. It was it's the old joke. How many does it take? Right? Yeah, yeah. So how many Catholics does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> how many? Catholics use candles. <laughs> how many Presbyterians does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Presbyterians would say that light was predestined to go out. <laughs> you know, how many Baptists does it take to change a oh, light bulb? How many, Steve? Change. Who said anything about change? That's my favorite. And one. then, of course, there were how many Methodists does it take? And then I said, well, you know, you have to form the committee, talk about the nature of the light, discuss it for a year, and table it, you know. But anyway, and in the meantime, at each and every one of these churches, the custodian changes the light bulb, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody has said, I am custodian of the kingdom of God. 
And no matter my theology, I'm going to change that light bulb and life's going to go on. That's right. right. <laughs> Otherwise, we just go on living in darkness. Yep. Otherwise, we're sitting in the dark. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those were good ones. And it's usually oh, a lay person that changes that light bulb. That's right. You know. That's right. Not a preacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, oh, yeah. You know. We are the worst. Well, That's another right. thing that I think, um, just sort of getting back to um, – post-separation, United Methodist, and the New Methodist movement, I think that both of those are going to have um, some issues to deal with as far as uh, how they're seen in the public. Because this debate, I mean, regardless of the side and which side people take, the debate within the United Methodist Church has gotten so ugly. Yes, it has. And we have lost our ability to discuss calmly, rationally, and respectfully with one another that I I really think that there is a negative viewpoint to the word Methodist just because of the way we've treated one another. Yes. Yeah. Not even mm-hmm. with the way that we've treated uh, our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters. It's how we've treated one another alone mm-hmm. has really damaged our 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 public image. And I think that we, but both denominations are mm-hmm. going to have some real work to do to repair that image in I the public eye. I believe. I believe you're correct. Yeah. yeah. The uh, public view, from what I've seen, is pretty damaged yes just because either former methodists have spoken out or Mm -hmm. just former churchgoers have spoken out on the hypocrisy and spoken out on on i'm gonna call it what it is it's a double standard yeah Mm -hmm. because it is people are allowed to be ordained who have committed sins Mm -hmm. right who have committed like these sexual sins but yet as soon as someone who is not heterosexual or just not straight comes up and they might have a solid theology. They might believe in the Wesleyan theology, but they're denied that ordination because Mm -hmm. they're not straight. And so, yeah, people see a double standard in that and they see, and they, and I, and people don't understand why some people, okay. (laughs) I'm going to say this very clearly if you would like to respond, do not text me, do not DM me, do not do anything except email the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> okay? So people don't understand why some things are excused in this church, mm-hmm. but yet some things are not excused. Yes, yes. They don't understand why there is such a harsh double standard that is not talked about. Or in this mm-hmm. case, it is talked about with the beautiful visuals of fire and brimstone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can understand why people are upset. And I yeah. can understand why people are going, hey, this is a double standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, I have a question for you. Okay. It's going to be a little heated. We don't have a lot of time. but <laughs> That's okay. If So, if... We decided, if like the United Methodist Church decided Uh to stay together, but they decided that any pastor who wanted to come before the board or get Mm -hmm. ordained or however could not commit commit any of the sexual sins, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How many pastors would not be allowed to be ordained? Oh, just a (laughs) guess off the tip of my finger, probably 40%. Probably 
Yeah, that's her T. That's her T. I'm going to say probably upwards of forty percent. And yeah. that all depends Say on Now, that's just a guess. Say it again, yes. Steve. Say it again. U- upwards of 40%. Say it again. <laughs> I would yeah. also say that depends on how you uh, <clears throat> how you qualify sexual sin. You know, are you yeah. talking about divorce? Yeah. Are you talking about adultery? I mean, are you talking about the use of pornography? Mm. Right. If you lump pornography in there, I'd say we're well yeah. upwards of 40%. Yeah. And, that, and that would be just people that mm-hmm. still engage. Yes. And oh, all yeah. of those issues. This, you know, um, it's not an issue of have you done it in the past? The past is dead and buried. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of, you know, what are you doing now? Are you in a place now where <laughs> that that's a secret sin, unfortunately, of a lot of men in America? Yes. And here's the thing. You, you carry the pornography around in your pocket if you carry a cell phone. Yes. There, it's, uh, there's, it so has never been easier the, to access. The the uh, the modification of the twelve step recovery programs that we used to use for pornography addicts doesn't work anymore because if you're if you're trying to recover from an addiction, you don't carry the alcohol around in your pocket. That's right. But if you're trying to recover from pornography, it's always with you because yeah. you always have access to it. I mean, you could get again. This is little... my opinion, folks. So send us an email if you yes, disagree. Yes, that's right. Please don't call us or text us. If you want to recover from <laughs> pornography, you need accountability partners to hold yes. you hold your life accountable. Everybody should have an accountability partner. And but, uh, we could agreed. do a whole podcast yeah. on how to find a good accountability partner. Yes, yeah, we could. We need to write that down. We will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, that's right. That's right. Because that's huge. Okay. That's really important. And we. Uh, from the moment of creation, we were created to be in community. Mm-hmm. We were created to be in community, and that accountability partner is a huge piece of the community that we were intended to be created right. into, that right. we were intended to live within. Mm-hmm. Well, we have came to the end of the podcast. I that know. went by very quickly, wow. and yeah. we might we might want to do a part two and three to this one. I don't yes. Know. And that just means Tyler gets more. to hang out with us more. I know. Hey, Tyler, that works for me. We appreciate you being with us today. Of course. And, Thanks uh, for coming. Hey, you know what we should do is bring what? Amy, our children's minister, in here with us, too. Ooh. I yeah. will be the only girl. <laughs> yeah. 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 Outnumber Steve. We'll, 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 we'll even out the, the, the gender separate the distribution here. That yeah. would be great. That would be awesome. All right. Well. Again, yeah. if you would like to respond to us. Just because I know this is really heavy, please email us at grittyhope at gmail.com. That is spelled G-R-I-T-T-Y-H-O-P-E at gmail.com. Amen. We love you. And we're trying.